Welcome to Many Talks Podcast, talking all business, entrepreneurship, property development, finance, and investment. Hi, it's Rob Moore here, and I am with Reese. Hiya. Reese, this is everyone. Hi, everyone. <laughs> so, Reese, you have a podcast? I do, Many Talks. Yeah. Uh, so, Reese Many, that's your full name. Correct, yep. Uh, and you also run a property and lending business, is that right? Correct, Hunter yeah. Jones, yes. Okay, so um, Reese has kindly come to the studio. He's uh, interviewing me for his podcast, Many Talks. Hit me, I'm all yours. <laughs> Fantastic. You want. Well, look, just before we start, thanks for coming. For my listeners, I'd like to introduce Rob Moore, serial property expert, and has got a training company as well, which you're going to learn uh, a little bit more about today. So, thanks for coming on the podcast. I appreciate Thank your you. time. Obviously, a lot of my listeners, Rob, are in the property sector. Mm. Um, you're a big player in the property market. How did you get into the property market yourself? How did you fall into to get involved with property? I did fall into it. It was, <laughs> it was never the plan. Um, I was an artist uh, yep. in, in Peterborough, kind of struggling to make my way. I'd got myself into some debt. I built up debt from university. And I was just slowly struggling away, not really mm. making um, much of my financial life anyway. Um, and a gallery owner, this was in 2005, okay. he kept saying, you've got to get into property, you've got to get into property, someone who was hanging my work. Yep. Um, and because I was like, I'm an artist, I'm skinned, I can't get into property, I haven't got any money. We probably all have those yeah, concerns yeah. when we start, and that was me. And as a creative guy as well, I kind of thought, how am I going to be able to figure property out? But my dad, for probably 10 years before that, had been saying, you've got to get into property, son, you've got to get into property. Everyone who's successful is in property. been banging on at me. There were these developments that were being built just down the road from my dad's pub. Uh, and probably they started in 2001 and they were like probably 25, 30 grand for a small unit. Okay. And of course, up to 2005, they probably pretty much tripled in yeah. value. And I saw that happen and didn't bat an eyelid. Um, and then um, my dad had a, a nervous breakdown in his pub um, oh. and like, he um, was first diagnosed with bipolar. And it was a pretty nasty incident. He got arrested by the police, beaten up by them. He was sectioned for quite a long time. And I guess in that moment or around that time, I started to do a lot of soul searching. Yeah. And I was like, I've got to do something different with my life because even though I like art, I'm not making any money. It's not going yeah. anywhere and things are getting worse. And my family, is, their health is getting worse because my mum had bad arthritis at the time. And How so old was you at this time? I was, what, 25? Okay. Um, I'm 40 now. Yeah. Um, and so, I, so in the back of the mind was like, Mike, Mike said get into property. My dad said get into property. So I went back to Mike the gallery and I just said, all right, teach me, you know, what do I do? I guess I was just a bit more desperate at this point. And he said, right, there's this local property meet just down the road. In, in, um, thought, in Peterborough? Yeah, thought, what right. in Peterborough? Just down the road. I remember riding there on my bike because I didn't have a car because yeah. I was skinned. Um, and I went there and of course I was well out of my comfort zone. I was quite nervous yeah. uh, as an artist. I mean, I Completely cr different. Crazy hair, I always wore crazy <laughs> clothes. I probably stuck, yeah. out, stuck out a mile. And, um, but I remember Mike saying to me, look, get, go there, get involved, network with people, print up some business cards and just be an open book and listen and, and see who you meet. And I heard a talk from a guy um, and, and, and he was pretty smooth and he looked like he was successful. And then I networked with everyone at the end and at the end at the bar, right at the end, um, I, I met a guy um, who's now my current business partner, okay. um, Mark Homer, just, just met him right at the end and um, we got chatting and he was, we were similar ages and I didn't know he had a load of money. I didn't yep. know he was already successful. He didn't know I had no money and I wasn't <laughs> successful and that was, that was probably a good yeah. thing. And, um, but we, we forged a bit of a relationship over the next couple of months. We got on more socially and we were both keen. He was keen because he loved business. He'd been doing it since he was 15. Yeah. I was keen because I was desperate and I wanted to turn my life around. Yeah. 
and probably good match. Yeah, exactly. We had yeah. opposing skill sets, which we didn't know at the time. And I'd say within two months, we were buying our first properties together. And he funded them, and okay. we just split the work 50-50. He took security, so his money was covered. Um, and then I got 50% on all upside, um, which was a good deal for me because I wasn't putting any money yeah, in. Of course. I was putting my time and energy and enthusiasm in. Um, and we bought 100 since then. Nice, nice. So good way of getting into it. I mean, so just for, for our listeners and people that are watching, because um, we're live on a, in a few different places, you know, so falling into that, it's about networking. Mm. If you didn't go to that networking yeah. event, yeah. you might not have not got into property as quick as the, you 100%. did and you might not be as successful. Yeah. Is, is that what you're saying to people? Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't say any might about yeah. it. I'd say, had I not met Mark, yeah. then I might still be an artist and yeah. um, my debt might have got worse and worse and worse. Okay. Now, you know, there's the old cliches, isn't there? Well, you know, business is people and property is yeah. people. But it's a cliche for a reason. You cannot buy a property on your own. No. You know, there's, they, they teach you in the sort of, I don't know, in some areas of business they teach you, you know, be self-made, work hard, yeah. You know, like, you can only really trust yourself. Um, you know, if you want something done properly, do it do yourself. yourself. They teach yeah, you all this yeah. stuff. I don't think that's, I don't think big business owners and real entrepreneurs see it that way. No, you need a good team. You right? do. I mean, you can't do, you can't do the yourself. conveyancing, you can't no. do the brokering, you can't do the lending, right. you can't do the refurbs. There's so many things in property you, you actually physically can't do. That's right. But across the board in business, we now have 86 staff that sit upstairs in our office. Yep. My business partner's very different to me. I really believe in partnerships and people. I really do. And thankfully, I like people and I like getting to know people and meeting new people. Yep. You know, I mean, I've known you in a parallel world but not met you. And yep. that, that interests me. Okay. Um, and so that's what people yeah. need to be a little bit more out there. You know, you need to speak to strangers. You need to yeah. speak to other Put people. Put yourself out there. And, and network and, and get good relationships. Obviously, just, just stripping it back a little bit, when you was an artist, was that when you was at school, was, was you always creative? Is that how that come about? What yeah. was What was, I know that you said about your family life and your dad having a breakdown in the pub, but before that, when you was at school, what was it like? Obviously, that was what sparked you to take action and go and yeah. go to that networking event. But before that, did, was there signs of being an entrepreneur at school or anything like that? Previous yeah. to that? I'd say pre- preschool. Yeah. So my dad always had, always had pubs, bars, hotels, clubs, and he was a, a, a proper hustler. Yeah. Um, he always carried massive cash. And do you remember okay. in the old days when the notes were huge, like the £10 notes were like that big? <laughs> or maybe it was just because I was small. <laughs> yeah, they felt that. Uh, yeah, and, and he was always going around buying pubs, bars, restaurants, hustling, okay. winning some, losing some, making millions, losing it. Yeah. Uh, and from the age of about six, he got me working in the pub, doing bottling up for a quid a week. Um, and I loved it, by you the way. You got value yeah. to start off He'd with. he me cleaning. Value of money. Yeah, and I think he really taught me the value of working hard and getting paid. Um, and, and, you know, I suppose a little bit of the creative side of business. Like, he always says to me, son, if you don't ask, you don't get. Yeah. And I really believe in that. So I agree. W- when I've been stuck in my life, I've gone, hold my breath, go ask people. Yeah. Go, get your ego out the way. If you need help, go ask for help. And my dad always raised that in me. Yeah. But I, get, I think that got lost for me in the school system. So um, I had all that upbringing yep. and admired my dad for that and wanted to be that. But then when I went to school and, you know, you do your, your subjects, I did a load of subjects that are useless. Like, I mean, not, not that religious studies is useless, but it was never going to be no, no good for do. yourself. Yeah, um, okay. I did geography in French, so we did okay. geography. I mean, what use is that? You, you, know, <laughs> how, you don't walk down the street and use French geography. Um, so there was a lot of subjects which weren't, didn't have utility for me in the real yeah. world, but I had to do them. Yeah, to do them because it's part of the... That's what you do at part school, of school, right? Yeah, part yeah. of GCSEs. Um, but yeah, I, I, I've always been creative growing up. I've always been pretty good at art. Yeah. Um, and so there's that creative side of me, which in my early years held me back. Because 
often creatives struggle with the commercial element. Mm. You know, the artists, um, all, all the people who are quite arty. This, it's almost like it's wrong to make money. Yeah. I used to listen to Rage Against the Machine. You know, I like, hated the system. Qu- quite, quite political mindset. And any entrepreneur mm. or capitalist, I was like, they're Satan. Um, so that obviously wasn't a good yeah. mindset to have as well. But thankfully, I um, started to study better people. So, I mean, if you look at Damien Hirst, Andy Warhol, they're artists who've embraced the commercial element, Tracy Emin. And I think, actually, a great business is balancing the creative and the capital. Mm. Um, you know, you, you want to do property deals, you've got to be creative. Right. The more creative you are on the deals, you can either not put money in or you can add value or you can flip turn an option into a purchase so you don't have to actually initially buy it. Uh, so, yeah, I really think that creativity is important. Um, and for my listeners that obviously don't understand what an option is or they're just getting into property, you've, you've used a few terms there mm. that most people might be familiar with, but some people that are not. Um, obviously, just jumping ahead, you run a property training course. Mm. If our listeners come to that training course, will they find out about things like that? Well, we do 850 training days a year. Okay. So we, we run a lot of courses. Yep. So we run property investing masterclass, service accommodation masterclass, yep. deal packaging, um, low and no money in um, property training com- yep. um, courses. Um, because there are a lot of strategies out yeah, there. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff um, out there. We do a commercial do. conversion course. That yep. There are a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, property is as creative as art is. And when I started, I didn't have any money. And my creativity was getting someone like Mark with money to yep. see value in me. That was where I was able to add value. Yep. And then as Mark and I go and buy below market value deals, our creativity is in our negotiation. Um, or was, was that hard to get him to see value in you to start off with? It wasn't really something I was conscious of. Mm. I, I, was, I just was getting myself out there, yep. getting uncomfortable yep. and pushing myself. And I'm... I'm at, I'm pretty good at that. Mm. You know, I don't mind putting myself out there. Yeah. Don't mind looking stupid. Don't mind failing, which actually has served me really well. Yeah. Because then... A lot of people are worried about that. Yeah, that they feeling are. Of, of failing, that feeling of being uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, um, and exposed. How do, you, how do you overcome that personally? Um, not take yourself too seriously. Yeah. I mean... I mean you Great know, advice like, here, guys. This is fantastic stuff. Yeah, what... I guess... I had a lot of fear growing up because I worried about what people would think about me. Mm. Um, but when you care less about what people think about you, then you take more chances and worry less about the consequences. And the more you worry less about the consequences, as long as they're not flippant and stupid things that you yeah. do, you can drive more for the upside. But um, I quite like it when my critics have a bit of a dig at me. I like having banter with them on yeah. social media. You should see some of our Facebook ads and some of the things they say. And I'll go and have a bit of a laugh with them. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I've got one life and I really want to enjoy it. And I feel like if I don't take myself too seriously, I mean, I take my business seriously. I take yeah. my art seriously, very seriously. But myself, not so much. You know, like, wh- why worry about what people are thinking about me when they're not worrying about me? They're worrying about their own life and their own challenges. They're not thinking about me. You know, after this, you're going to go and do your thing. You're not going to be thinking all day about what Rob thinks about you. No, that's right. You're going to be, like, hustling away doing but your I, deals. I, other people do worry about that. And I yeah, think and I did my whole life. I think that's... we need to get out of that culture, worrying yeah. about what other people on social media think about us. Yeah. Well, I think it's a fine line, isn't it? Because part of that growing up and really being bothered about what people Mm. think about me has created a service mentality. So I think you've got to care about people enough to want to serve them, to solve their problems, to create a great community. Because if you didn't care at all, you'd be cold. Mm. And and I don't think those people are always that successful. So it's a fine balance. You care enough to help people, but not so much that you're consumed by performing what other people want you to do and who you should be rather than who you want to be. Okay. No, some, some good stuff. Moving back into to the property, obviously you've been in the property market for how long now? 
Oh, well, my first investment was 2006. Mark's was 2003. So some time. Yeah, 15, 15, 15 years. years. Yeah. So how's the property market changed since you've been involved with it? Um, well, look, it, it's, it's cyclical, obviously, yeah. and we've gone through pretty much a full cycle. So we've, yeah. we've you know, when seen you go, the good times and the bad times. Yeah, and, and interestingly, usually in the property market, though most people might not believe me when I say it, um, the bad times for the masses are the good times for yeah. the proper professional investors because you buy cheap, you get better yields, um, you get bigger discounts, you can add more value. So really, our best buying year was 2009. Okay. That was probably the, the depth of the recession. So, and you buy and hold? Yeah, mostly. Yeah. I mean, we've turned over a few, but not many. Um, we did one 23 flat conversion. We sold all the, okay, the flats. Um, but we've got one 36 unit conversion. We've kept them all. We're doing 100 unit conversion at the moment. We'll keep them all. Yeah. We've got another 35,000 square foot unit that we're developing. We'll keep those. What I don't want to do, um, Reese, is walk down the high street in 10 years yeah. with my son, who will then be 18, yeah. and say, I used to own that. I used, I used to, to own, own that. that. I want to say... The, I own that. Yeah. I still got that. With you know, like yeah. so. Um, and yeah, we've got a development at the moment. If we sold out, worst case, net net, we'd probably make about five million quid. Okay. But we'd probably get five hundred plus net income per year. So if you if you inc include increase in rents, maybe in seven to eight years, we'll make the same as what we, if we sold it today. Yeah. But there'll be tax on that five million quid, mm. and in and you've seven to eight years, it. it's gone. And then in another seven to eight years, you make the same again, and the asset yeah. doubles, and you've got the equity. So yeah, that's yeah. exactly. What what I'll say to investors when when we speak to investors, because my team and myself speak to investors on a day to day basis, looking to get into the property market, looking to lend their monies. You know, it's about having that strategy. It's about knowing what you want to do as an investor before before you make that investment. Ooh. So investors that are getting into the property market, how do you think the best position is for them to make money right now? Well, look, it depends on area. Yep. It depends on your financial situation and your experience yep. right now. For us, what's working really well is commercial conversions with planning permission. Yep. Um, now, in some areas of the UK, you don't need planning for certain commercial conversions. We find that... You're referring to permitted development rights. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what um, we do a lot of. A lot of developers that we fund are PV yeah. schemes. Yeah, so we did a few of them. Yeah. But that window kind of closed. Yeah. Um, and the good thing about planning here is it's not that easy. So once you've figured it out, your um your your competitors they're kind of looking for the PD stuff oh, yeah. because they they're worried about the planning. Yeah. So we found that as, as a little bit of a, a strategic advantage. Now in the town centre in Peterborough, there's quite a lot of old shops, retail, mm. um, empty commercial, uh, and a big big appetite and demand for residential. Okay. So that commercial to convert uh, commercial to resi conversion. Um, is big for us. Also, this, when you change the use, yeah. that's a great opportunity to really uplift the value. Whereas on single lets, you can't really uplift the value too much because you do a five grand refurb, you, you know, you're going to be lucky if you add 10 grand's worth of value. Whereas in a declining market or when you can buy a big discount, that's where you get your value. Mm. So you either make your money when you buy, by getting it below market value, value yeah. or you add the value. Um, so that works for us. But I mean, if you're new, or you're um, not really got many deposits or much money, yep. rent to rent and service accommodation are relatively new, disruptive um, property investing strategies. They're not really that capital based, they're more yeah. income based, because I like to own, own stuff. Yeah, I agree. It's I just, um, well. And I get why people don't. Yeah, uh, you know, depends people, what you um, don't own control, is what a lot of people <laughs> say. And I get that, because ultimately, 
I want income. Yeah. And I'll only buy a property if I can have income. I won't. A lot of people are trying to um, read the capital situation and, and go for capital growth. I think you can't time that. You can't control that. But you can control the income. You yeah. can just work, work out the yield. Um, and if I didn't have deposits and I didn't have my own money to fund deals, I probably would look at instalments, options, rent to rent, yeah. etc. So if you was to start now? If I was to start now, assuming I didn't have any money. Yeah. You'd go for what? I'd probably do rent to rent. Rent to rent yeah. to start off. Um, I'd probably try and get some fairly big Victorian type houses around here, yeah. which are sort of three beds, sometimes four, but mostly three. But they've got big rooms and reception rooms. Yeah. You could turn them into five bed um, and rent them out. And rent them out. So essentially, you your rent to HMOing. Yeah. Basically. Um, and uh, look, you don't own it, and that's a downside. Yeah. But if I don't have deposits, I haven't got any money to own anyway. And you've got income coming in from you've got income, straight away. Exactly. And. You've got a pretty easy exit there because mm. you can just, uh, at the end of the tenancy, you can just walk away. And then what I do over time is once I'd buy a few, I'd figure out which areas and streets are best. And then over time, I'd try and buy them off the landlord so that I own them, the, the best, the ones that work Some well. Some great advice there, obviously, for people that are looking to get involved. Also, another question which people are probably asking themselves, do you stick to one area? Yeah, that's for me, that's fundamental. Yeah. And I think you spray yourself all over the place, then you've got... Um, well, let me take a step back. The, the thing that people don't understand is if you want to go and buy a property in an area yep. and you've not done it before, you've probably got to try two, maybe three handymen or refurb teams before you find a decent one. You've got to try and find two or three decent letting agents before you find a yep. decent one. You can probably use your existing broker, so that's okay. Conveyance, yeah. Um, you don't know who the good estate agents are who are yep. going to get you the deals. You don't know the streets where all the dodgy tenants are. You don't know the streets that are too expensive. The streets can have similar names and you can assume yeah. they're similar and they're not. Like in Peterborough, there's North Breton and South Breton and they're miles apart in terms of yield, but they're just two two-lane roads apart in terms of yeah. geography. Okay. Um, yet one wouldn't work in a single let and the other one would. So you only get that really good, deep knowledge, I think, when you're in and around an area a lot. Now, what you could do is you could get that deep knowledge but it could be remote from you. Yeah. So, you know, you, can, might, you might live in Peterborough, but you might have your investment area in Newcastle, but you've got to be up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. Do you want to be on that yeah. train all the time? And if you're all right with that, and, and get it set up and get it all figured out and then get a good letting agency, then in the future, that could be a bit more hands-off. Yeah. Um, but yeah, g generally I find people who are scattergun, they're either really busy, which I don't want to be, yeah. or at least I want to be busy doing what I want to do, yeah. um, or they've just got too many moving parts that are breaking all over the place. Okay, some good advice there. So homing on the on the area that yeah. you want to work in and do a lot of research before yeah. you get involved with that area. You make more money knowing more than anyone else. Yeah. You, you know, how do you get the best deals in an area? By knowing the commercial agents, by everyone knowing what you do. Yeah. Um, you getting tip, you know, like pretty much every single let we've ever bought. Yeah. We've bought it before it's even gone in the estate agent's window. Sometimes so off market. Yeah. Really. Yeah, but, but I mean, off market's quite a generic term, yeah, isn't of course, it? But yeah, yeah, like sometimes we've bought deals where um, the lister has gone out to the property. They've yep. literally signed the contract with the vendor. And before the lister's got back to the estate agent, he's called up one of the negotiators, said, look, I've got this deal. And the negotiator's called us up and said, I've got this deal. And the, 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 the paperwork hasn't even got back into the estate and agent. And they know some. Yeah. Now, that wouldn't happen if you didn't have a really good, deep relationship with that estate agent. But that takes time to... That's not going to happen overnight, no. is it? And that's why it's easier doing it locally. Yeah. Because okay. if you want to build those relationships all over the place, it just takes too much time. Yeah. Gotcha, makes yeah. sense. Some good advice there again. Just, just another question. So you've been really successful in the property sector. What made you go into to train, the training part of the business? Um, a few reasons. 
Okay. I think one was because I saw an opportunity to create another business model. Okay. And I'm an entrepreneur. Yep. Uh, an entrepreneur is defined as someone who uh, takes a risk in the hope of profit in um, multiple businesses. Yep. And that's definitely me all <laughs> over. I might not be the, you know, I might not be Richard Branson, but I, I know that I am that. Um, and probably in 2008, um, a lot of people started asking Mark and I, i.e. enough that we went, mm, we should consider this. Yeah. Oh, you should do courses. You should write books. Can you teach me? Will you mentor me? And like, a good entrepreneur, once a market shows itself, if they want to be in that market, they'll jump into that market. Yeah. So really, we just, we, we, like water flowed into training because there was a big demand there. Just like we, we did, did with deal packaging. You know, we sold hundreds of deals to investors. Yeah. We never planned to, we just planned to buy for ourselves. But when people start saying to you, oh, maybe you could source me a deal or two or help me build a portfolio, when enough people So ask, basically you just see a, a niche in the market just, and, well, and you the, run with it. Yeah. The now, of course, I've got to want to do it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, but you see, you see the demand yeah. and, and you acted on it. So see the demand. Have I got the credibility? Yeah. Because you know, I'm never going to teach anything I've not done myself or I don't know. Yeah. Could I enjoy doing it? That's, that's the other thing. Do you, do you find that? I'm not in that sector, but I find that there's so many courses, there's so many people out there that have got this expert, come with this expertise, that haven't really done anything or produced. Yeah. Does that make your job a bit tougher? In that in or that space, or easier, or easier. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it depends how you look at it. Um, I mean, it's it's, un, it's undeniable that I've been doing it for 15 years. Yeah. It's undeniable we've bought hundreds of properties. That's right. You know, our, our training business will probably do turnover nearly 20 million, maybe more than 20 million Fantastic. this year. That, that's undeniable. That's right, yeah. um, so, in that, in some regards, those that are the startups or not been doing it very long or not that credible, maybe that makes me positions me better. Better, yeah. Um, okay. I, I'm not so critical of those people as many people are. I think. You should do business in an honest, ethical way and you should yeah. care about your client. But every master was once a disaster and every winner was once a beginner. So everyone, you know, like we also... Everyone's started. got to start. Yeah, yeah. we start. We understand you've got to start yeah. from somewhere. Exactly. But if, you, if there are people like that, just don't bullshit. You know, just yeah. if you're starting, fine. Then focus on helping people buy their first property. Don't make out that you've got more than you have. Um, but no, I mean, look, any industry, there's going to be startups, of course. mature people, Scammers, schemers, yeah. and everything in between. And I think people in the property industry assume that it's only like that in your industry, but it's like that in every industry. Yeah. In, the le in the lending space, there yeah, must exactly be some the dodgy characters. Yeah. And, Painting, um, decorators, estate agents. Exactly. It's in, it's in every sector. Yeah, so I tend not to focus too much on that. I tend to just try and sharpen my own sword. and Yeah, make sure that game. you're always in front of, yeah. of everyone else and not worry about your competitors. Exactly. And then the final thing to add to why did I get into training is because I really enjoy it. Yeah. I do like doing stuff like this. I do like sharing what I've learned. Yeah. You, you know, I don't really like dealing with tenants and boilers, and, you know, and, and conveyancing there's and not paperwork. Many people, there's not no, many exactly. people that do, it's is not, there? It, it didn't keep me a, a, awake at night, you know, thinking about that was my dream job. Yeah. But doing public speaking and you know, doing podcasts and all that kind of stuff. You enjoy that That's stuff. just genuinely fun for me, yeah. Good. Okay, so from your journey, what, what would, if you had to give three pieces of advice from no where you've come, where, what, what could you give? To, to people that are listening right now, your three most key things that you'd say, this is what I would advise you to do Okay. to start off with. All right then, so the first thing would be start now, get perfect later. Um, yep. So I wrote a book called Start Now, Get Perfect Later, and there's so many people killing themselves with the perfectionism curse, the imposter <laughs> syndrome, you know, or like the worry about what everyone's thinking about them or whatever, and they're not actually starting. Yeah. Now, look, if you're an airline pilot or a surgeon, you can't just 
start now, get perfect later. <laughs> You've got to get perfect first. Um, so it does depend on yeah, your on what you're in. Yeah, if you if you're like, you need financial training, etc., you're giving financial advice. Obviously, you've got to go down that route. Yeah. But talking about an entrepreneur in an unregulated space like property investing, most of it is unregulated or in training or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Start now, get perfect later. Uh, and what that means is with what you've got and what you know get started do some facebook lives write some content you know write and and start your first course and get five people in it and charge 100 quid get started get some testimonials get some case studies get some time in the market so that that would be the first thing yeah i think the next thing would be is to listen to the market i think too many people are starting a business because it's what they want to do and they know and they love and i think that's an element, yep. but I really believe you should react to demand in the marketplace. Now, it's easier than ever to know what the market wants because of Facebook groups yep. where you can just go in and in real time communicate, do Facebook lives and ask people, do ask me anything and get their, yeah, their find feedback. Find out what they want, exactly. what they need. Yeah, I could say to everyone watching now, what are your biggest challenges? What are the three biggest challenges in starting yep. your business? And I'm going to find out. Yep. And then if I'm smart, I'm going to give that back to the market. So I think listening to the market would be the, the second one and okay. re- reacting to that. So we built this studio reacting to the market. We did a podcast reacting to the market. We've got a podcast agency reacting to the market. We've got a social media act- agency reacting to the market. Market, stuff that yep. I never intended and then I guess that the third thing would be um, care about people because I think if you care about people and you want to help people um, then you'll always do all right and I, I don't mean care about people and give all your time for free all the time that you're allowed to draw a line um, but I think if you do right by people then that will do right by your business some free great pieces of advice there thanks Thank for that my pleasure um, obviously you was a millionaire by 31 yeah um, Reading your books, listening to your podcast, listening to a lot of entrepreneurs, everyone talks about their successes. What about your failures? What... I talk about them a lot as well, by the way. My failures, plenty of them. Well, what, what's, the, what's the ones that stick out the most and what did you learn the most from your failures? Okay, so um, I'm pleased to say, sitting here, yeah. that I don't think I've had any or many massive failures. Okay. I haven't gone bust, which I'm proud yeah, of. Yeah, which is um, very good. You know, because some people don't take that very seriously and they just, are oh, going to a bit of trouble, I'll wind that company up, I'll wind that company up. That's not our style yeah. at all. Um, you know, I haven't had a major legal case. Okay. We've had plenty of nearlies. Um, <laughs> and so what I would say is that many of my failures are small and frequent rather than big and wipe us out so yeah. you know we've had a few tribunals got to the door settled we've had a few legal cases got to the door settled uh, and i'm proud of that yeah um we've you know we've had times in business when things were hard when cash flow was low and you know we probably kept a few invoices in the drawer and locked the door and not pay, paid them for a while just yeah. to manage the cash flow um so i wouldn't say there's anything major i think my biggest mistake or failure was one not take not having courage to take chances when i was younger because okay. if you can get your 18 to 25 like if you can get those seven years back because we know now not being that age that you got no kids you got no mortgage yeah. you could probably um live with your you mum can, and dad you can take more risks take more risks yeah. and and you've got not got that overhead and that responsibility and i didn't do enough of that when i was young yeah so that that that's a regret that now i want to hold in and share with other people at that age look you can take risks yeah um, but, uh, but paradoxically also, you've got time. Mm. And there's so many people that are so impatient, 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 impatient. You know, you've got time. I was speaking to someone this morning who's like, uh, it was really, he's really struggling at the moment. He's not having a good time. Um, and he's like, I'm done. I'm 48 years old and like I'm back to square one. And I'm like, 
48 years old is not old. It's, yeah, it's, it's, 48 is probably the new 35. <laughs> Colonel Sanders was new 21 if you exactly, wanted to. Exactly, yeah. yeah. It's, that's not old. Um, so, yeah. Uh, look, um, for me, I generally tend to not look at things as failure, but yeah. more as feedback and ways I can improve. Um, I, I make lots of little Do you mistakes. have a process for, for failures? So to look at them, like you just said, you don't look at them as failures, but do you have a process and you go through, well, look, this has happened, I'll make sure that it won't happen again and I'm going to do it this way next time. Yeah, do I you think... look at that at the end of every month or the end of every quarter? How, how do you do that? Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to learn all the time. Yeah. I read reports every day. I read management accounts. I yeah. read balance sheet. I read marketing reports. I read keep all the KPIs in our business. So I'm always trying to look at what went wrong yeah. so that we can then make it go uh, right and way. fix it. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, if we have a, a launch that failed or an event that didn't do so well or a property purchase didn't do so well, I'm always trying to figure out and learn how we can make it better next time. Yeah. yeah. I'm always doing that. That's like an obsession of mine. But some things to add to that. You've also got to do that when things go well. Yeah. Um, because as an entrepreneur, the curse is you're always chasing the next thing mm. and you're always looking at your failures instead of your successes. Said, yeah. But you've got to actually sit down and go, that, that went really well, and breathe it in and enjoy it. How can we it. reproduce that? Exactly. And not, don't just reverse engineer failure, reverse engineer success. Because yeah. sometimes you make a success, but then you, it, it's not successful next time. So, okay, that was successful. How can we work that across the board? Um, for me, I have the, I, my highest value in life is growth, and I just have the constant desire to learn and study, listen to podcasts, audio books, have yeah. mentors. So you ask me that question, it's just what I do and who I am. Constantly. Sometimes to my detriment, where my, voice, my brain is just... Constantly yeah, engaged. constant noise in my head. And so you, yeah. just leading on from that, obviously you, you sound like you're always busy. How do you switch off? How do you relax? How, how does family time come about? I find that the hardest, if I'm honest, <laughs> yeah. um, because like I always want to be doing something. Mm. I'm restless. Um, love what I do. My business and all that the areas of business for me is my greatest passion, yeah. right up there with you know family. Um, so this is kind of a cheat. But I like watching Netflix, but then I watch all the business shows and all the autobiographical <laughs> documentaries. Yeah. Um, obviously, time with my family is great. I play golf with my son a lot. He's yeah. a really good golfer. Um, Hard to switch off, though. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'd put a podcast on or I'd go on social media and, uh, you know, engage in some of my communities or something like that. Or, or Mark and I are like, oh, we'll go to a Grand Prix or we'll fly somewhere in the helicopter but we'll merge it in with a business yeah. trip. So it's like the passion profession. So it's never, it's never just a switch off completely, if you're honest. That's just such a scary thought, <laughs> if I'm honest. A whole day with no phone, just in nature, yeah. just with just my own mind. You wouldn't enjoy no, it. No, that's the scariest thought in the world. Oh, my God. Well, moving on. Yeah, yeah Moving please, on, please. Yeah. Yeah. So, obviously, you, you spoke about books. You've just released a new book. Um, yeah. I'm worth more. Yeah. For the listeners and the viewers that haven't had the chance to read it yet, a little insight into the book. What's what's the key takeaways? What's benefits for people that are listening to this podcast, watching right now? Why should they go away and read it? What will they yeah. get from it? So, um, probably ten years plus helping property investors and entrepreneurs, and I finally figured out. What's the common challenges that people have? It's not your broker. It's not your bank. I mean, yeah. you know, they're, they're challenges. But the commonalities that are deep within us, that the, the fundamentals, 
are how we feel about and value ourselves. Mm. And generally, people who get a quick start or do well or rise to the top, they usually have figured out how to value themselves. Now, sometimes they've got insecurities too, yeah. but they've figured out a way to value themselves, whether it's their own self-worth or that they, they, they link their self-worth to the value they put out in the world and then they charge a fair exchange fee for that. Okay. And, and I just stumbled upon that through helping thousands of people. So I wanted to write a book which would transcend all the other books I'd written and all the work I did and would be relevant to everyone. And the subtitle's called Realise Your Value to Unleash Your Potential. So I, I, the argument I guess I'm making in the book is that your self-worth drives your net worth even more than your network. You know people say your network is your net, net worth. worth yeah. Well, my argument is actually I'd say your self-worth is your net worth. Because okay. someone who doesn't believe in themselves is not going to charge a higher fee for their work. Gotcha, yeah. um, and if Makes you don't sense. believe in yourself, why should anyone else? else yeah. So if you don't believe in yourself, someone else is not going to pay you and you're not going to charge them. And there's this sort of vicious cycle. Um, and, and, and again, my argument is you're not broken. A lot of people, that when they hear that, oh, you know, like, OK, I'm doomed. No one's broken. Mm. Everyone's just got to figure out what their value and their uniqueness is. You know, and yours is in the property sector and yours is in you know, developments and mm. lending and you've figured out a way to find your niche and find your space and own who you yeah. are and, and, and sit down and go, I'm good at it. Mm. And when you can own your niche and your space and sit, get, sit down and go, I'm good at this, the world needs this and I'm going to put it out to the world and I'm going to take the rejection and the criticism and everything else along it the way, that's when, you, that's when you start to get really successful. And so the book goes through all things like imposter syndrome, not believing in yourself, you know, what, Does it help people that don't believe in their self to start believing in yeah, themselves? Is I that think, what it's there for? I, yeah? I mean, it's not just for people who are really struggling. Yeah, but um, you can take that from the book yeah, as well. Yeah. yeah, it helps you believe in yourself more. Yeah. Fine. So, good read. It's definitely worth picking up. Thank you. Um, the secret to success. Do you think that it lies in skill or actually in the mind? Um, I would, honestly. Yeah, honestly, it's probably a, a paradoxical balance of both. Mm. I know it's quite fashionable to say mindset or skill set. Somebody wants to see us do this on the helicopter. All right, nice. <laughs> Alan, we're in. Yeah. Um, Next time. You know, let's be honest, you can't buy a property you know, you know, without the conveyancing process. With a bit of skill. Yeah, yeah. Any, because any mug can go an estate agent and pay over the asking price. Yeah. Anyone can do that. Not anyone can buy 20 or 30% below market value. So yeah, there is some skill, but that skill is learnable. Yeah. Learnable. Um, but also the mindset is the foundational layer beneath it. So ability to take rejection and get back up, yeah. not take yourself too seriously. Um, you know, overcome your own doubts, talk yourself up when you're feeling down. And people that are going through them four things that you, you just said, well, Obviously, we've all been there. Mm. I've been there. Yeah. You, you must have been there. You know, well, sometimes... Just, just as quickly, when you say been there, I go there every day. Yeah, as an entrepreneur, yeah. Yeah. it's a lonely place. Yeah. You've got decisions to make. You've got thing, uh, decisions that you don't want to make. You have mm. to make them. Um, how do you deal with them on a day-to-day -day basis? Do you have a process? Yeah, so I think the first thing is understanding that it's not something in your um, past. Yeah. So um, I think people are looking for happiness. They're looking for success. They're looking to feel good about themselves. They're looking yeah. to be all these things like they can achieve it one day and then it's there and then they're done. Yeah. Well, the reality is you could have had a hundred bad days and you can still have a good day. You could have a hundred good days and you could have the worst day of your life. Yeah. So for me, that's why I sort of jumped in and said, I'll go there every, every day. day. Yeah. So my process is to go there every day. Um, go there and, and, uh, and face the fear of rejection. And the more I get rejected, I get used to it, 
but I don't like it anymore. No. I still hate it. I just get used to it. Or I'm getting better at talking myself in, going, do you know what? Rejection is just one step closer to success. Um, so I guess my process is try to get myself ever increasingly but incrementally uncomfortable. Yeah. So a lot of people say, oh, you know, you've got to get uncomfortable. Well, not too uncomfortable. You get too uncomfortable, it's a leap too far. Yeah. You'll go into your shell, you'll never do it again. Um, so I would say constantly and incrementally pushing myself to, to higher levels of discomfort. And then also just how I talk to myself. Yeah. So I can beat myself up. Why did you do this? You're not good enough at this. You haven't got enough podcast listeners. You haven't got enough social media followers. You haven't yeah. got enough property. Um, you know, you're worth tens of millions. People you know worth hundreds of millions. What are you doing? And you, you still loser? have them conversations with yourself? Every, every day. day. But yeah. I think what I've got better at doing, there's like two conversations in my head. What I've got better at doing is going, actually, no, that's better than most people on the planet. Yeah. Stop comparing yourself to other people. If you want to compare yourself to people, compare yourself to you 15 years ago. You're doing good. You are you. People look up to you. People admire you. You yeah. help a lot of people. You give a lot of your time. So I guess my process is each time I talk myself down, talk, talk myself up. up. Fantastic. Yeah. Great, great advice. Well, look, just before we finish up, because I know that, that you're busy and you've got a lot on, um, your biggest influencers in business? Um, so my business partner, Mark Homer, has obviously been a great influence yeah. to me. Um, our MD is fantastic, Catherine, and she's taught me a lot about um, you know working with people, different yeah. kinds of people, because... I found it easy to work with entrepreneurial types, yeah. but then you know people who are entrepreneurs or in the corporate space, she taught me a lot about that. I think Arnold Schwarzenegger is a fantastic human being and an entrepreneur, um, so I certainly look up to him. Um, but really, anyone who takes a risk, anyone who puts himself out there, anyone who accepts criticism and ridicule and still goes to pursue their dream, yeah. I admire that person. Fantastic. And my dad, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely, Rob. Well, look, listen, it's been a pleasure having you on Many Talks. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Reece. Um, Hopefully everybody's enjoyed it. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Thank you. See you soon. So for now, what I want to do is thank you for listening. Subscribe. Leave a review. Look forward to speaking to you on the next podcast with some exciting guests coming our way.